Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Hustle and Heart. This is Sophie Wang. And this is Chimai Sakari. And we are super excited and thrilled to have our guest on today, Kelly Eskew. Hi, <laughs> good to be with you. Um, Kelly is WIB's advisor as well as faculty here at IU and we're really excited to just dive into asking you a ton of questions. Okay, and let's, about do you. let's do it. <laughs> but um, of course we have to start off with our highs and lows. So uh, who wants to start with their high? I'll start. Yes. Definitely. Um, I'll start with my low of the week. My low was okay. that I realized for the past four or five weeks, I haven't been self-reflecting as much. Okay. Um, I've just been running around trying to make ends meet, trying to finish assignments, trying to meet with people, do assignments, try to fit in a workout session, trying to do everything. But at the end of the day, not enough, not have enough time to really sit down and collect my thoughts, collect myself together for the next day, really prepare myself. Um, so yeah, I had this realization, I think right before conference and right around conference pre-night was that I'm not taking enough time to really see what I want to do, where I want to improve on myself, which is, uh, which has allowed me to just be confused in a lot of my conversations and even in classes that I've been in. Um, and that leads me to my high is I really finally sat down, called my dad and he told me to add in half an hour of meditation on my Google calendar when okay. I wake up and then add either an hour of yoga after that or an, or else try to find a class or another workout time on like the Google calendar on every single day of the week. Okay. So that's where I find my prioritization to like really self-reflect and he's been keeping in touch with me because he was like, you need to treat that as your job and your priority as well as your work and your social life. So... Yay, Dad. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yay, Dad. Yeah, I think it's so important to um, not only, like, move through life and continue pushing forward, but also process what's happening um, because that's when you can find the enjoyment in what you're doing. Um, And I think it's really awesome that you're going to schedule that on your Google Calendar because that's something I would do. I have to have it written down and in my planner in order for me to fully commit. So I love that. Um, Okay, my high of the week, I would say... Two, so one, I'm currently training to teach cardio hip-hop at the SRC, and it's been a long journey because to even get onto the team at the SRC, you have to go through strength training first, and so now I can finally do um, a separate training to help me reach my end goal, so I'm really passionate about that, and it's going well, and then also we had conference this weekend, Yay. and um, what a great opportunity to be surrounded by amazing women in and out of web, and to be working on ourselves professionally and personally together. That's all I have to say there. Um, And my low is, this isn't really a big low, but um, on Sunday I decided to schedule just two workout classes because I had to use up this pass before it expired. So I was like, I have to get this class in. And I just was very, very tired after the first one. It was a cycling class. And then I went to an, an acrobatics class. And I just, my body was like not happy with me afterwards. So, moving forward, I will not be doing that to myself again. (laughs) What about you, Kelly? So, um, definitely conference was a high, but when you said this week, it's Tuesday, I think in a Sunday through Saturday sort of uh, (laughs) timeline. So, yesterday, I had um, Steve Shermer, who is a senior attorney with the Department of Justice Environmental Enforcement Section, come to my classes, I have two sections of sustainability law and policy back to back, 
He came in from DC. He came to both of those classes. Um, I interviewed him for about the first 45 minutes of class and then turned it over for Q&A to my students. And not only was he a fantastic guest, so interesting, we learned so much, but my students' questions were so smart, so astute, and they demonstrated that I'm actually successfully teaching them some law concepts. Um, and it was just the best way to confirm that everything is happening in the classroom the way I hope it is. So I was really proud of them and I thought it was a really great day of classes. So that was fantastic. Um, my low is that, um, you know, everybody's talking about coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure you know that some of the X272 trips for sophomores have been canceled or at least postponed. Mm -hmm. um, South Korea being one of them where the outbreak is fairly severe at this point. And we certainly can't risk student health and just getting quarantined would be a huge problem, uh, even if everyone stays healthy. So thinking about how that might impact May trips, I lead the trip that goes to South Africa. Um, no decisions have been made. There is no coronavirus in South Africa right now that we know of, but um, thinking about the disappointment and frustration that we'll have to deal with if we have to postpone our trip, um, yeah, is very much on my mind. Yeah, going off of that, um, definitely my family travels to India every year. We mm. visit our grandparents, my aunt and uncles and all of them, and this year we're really taking a step back and just reconsidering whether we want to travel 16 hours there and back and be in a flight contained with who knows what kind of sicknesses people do have in the dealing with all the airports and um, kind of like the layovers and things like that. Um, there ha there's like a lot of sacrifice that goes with this type of sickness that's been, it's a pandemic. I've been learning that in my global health and environment class, how mm -hmm. yeah. it affects multiple cultures and multiple countries and how we perceive different cultures and different kind of like ethnicities and how we kind of pinpoint kind of like have a blaming kind of tactic to like mm. this isn't my thing Interesting. it's right. someone else caused it like it really develops a sense of hatred and humanity well i think that's being fostered as we can see in some of the rhetoric uh, around coronavirus here in our own country. It's very, very unfortunate. I think so, yeah. Um, but the most important thing is to know that for most people, it's very mild, most yeah. people are asymptomatic, um, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to take precautions, that you don't want to avoid at all costs having it spread. So I feel really, uh, I mean this sincerely, uh, reassured by the response of Kelly leadership uh, right now in keeping um, up to date and talking with experts all around the country and all around the world to see what's going on and trying to make the best decisions for students. And so while um, disappointment in canceling a family trip and canceling other international travel and canceling the X272s or postponing them, which is what uh, the first alternative would be, yeah. is disappointing. It's much more important to take care of our health. I agree. With that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's dive into okay. your story. How right. did, so if you want, you can touch on maybe college to work and then maybe work as a lawyer, taking that step, and then lawyer to teaching at IU. Okay, um, so my college story is a little bit different. 
Um, I had a very difficult and unhappy relationship with my parents as a teenager, and that's sad, but I'm okay, so I don't want anybody to be worried, and I have a relationship with my parents now. Um, but as a result, I ended up um, paying for almost all of my college myself. Wow. I worked my way through college, uh, working full-time most of the time. Uh, my first semester of college, I was a pretty traditional student, pledged to sorority, whole nine yards, and uh, my second semester of my freshman year, uh, I went out and got a job. And so it took me a little longer to get through college because I had to take a lot of my classes at night in order to work. And after I finished college and having this very strange relationship with my family, um, I really didn't have a lot of vision for my future. One thing I was good at was working. I'm a hard worker and I uh, worked hard in every job I had, so I worked for Xerox for a while. Okay. Yeah, I was a, I was a dispatcher, so if your copy that? machine broke, okay. <laughs> um, you would call and I would answer the phone and then I would send a technician out to fix your copy machine. Okay. That's cool. Now, I have to tell you, that was one of the most fun jobs I ever had. Really? I was, yeah, I was young and I was, um, I, was, I was fairly cute. And really, I just considered my job. I just flirted on the phone with the Aww. technicians. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. You yeah. Know. <laughs> I mean, I made, I made a little bit better than minimum wage, but I was having fun and, um, and Xerox paid most of my college tuition. Wow. They had a great program. And so it wasn't, you know, moving me forward in any particular way, but it was not an unhappy time in my life. Uh, then I left Indiana for 10 years, and I was in Seattle, uh, Washington. I worked for a museum out there um, for a while, you know, just a like a program job. I wasn't a program manager. I was sort of a program, I don't know, sort of a mid-level administrator. Again, not making very much money, but I was a good worker, and I, I was having fun. That's and important. It was. It is important. It is important. I wish more of those jobs were out there and available now, so that you know, young people graduating from college would feel less pressure to jump into the professional world right away. And then I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, wow. and I worked for the Health Sciences Center there, and I ran physician education programs and rural outreach programs for the Department of Internal Medicine, and. Really, I was just dating and... So what did you study uh, so to do these types of jobs? So uh, my undergraduate degree is in philosophy. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, um, and I was about three credit hours away from a double major in religious studies. Okay. But uh, like it, took, it took me forever to go through... I actually graduated with something like 144 credit oh, hours. Oh, wow. my God. So I was like, I'm not taking another three credit hours. Gotcha. I just want the diploma at this yeah. point. So... Um, I was in, I started thinking about law school while I was in Seattle. Okay. Um, and at that time I knew that I was moving to New Mexico. New Mexico has one law school. So I took the LSAT, did great, applied to one law school. I can reflect back on my like personal statement and, um, I don't know if I'm actually blushing on the outside, but when I think about how just stupid it was, um, I can't believe they didn't send me a letter and say, this is just stupid. <laughs> um, but New Mexico treated, uh, obviously all New Mexico residents is in state, but also all residents of four states that did not have a law school at that time. Okay. I don't know if that's still the case. 
So that's a pretty significant population of people getting in-state treatment and they were preferred. Um, then I wrote this really stupid personal statement. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was just dumb. Um, and I was not accepted to the one law school I applied for. Really? And so, yeah. And so I just, I set that aside. I was, I, I don't even recall that I was all that disappointed. It was like, oh, I'll do law school. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I won't. Um, so I'm in Albuquerque and I'm working on, um, a, in a grant funded job. So in a grant funded job, when the grant money goes away, so does the job. And so that was on the horizon, I knew it was coming, and I started to think about what to do next. And um, and I was thinking about going to culinary school. Wow. Now, this is before Top Chef and HGTV <laughs> and all this, right? Yeah. I, but I like to cook. Um, and so... With those I, pasta bowls. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So I thought about uh, going to culinary school, and then I thought, well, maybe law school. So I took the LSAT again. Okay. Um, knocked it out of the park yeah I was just I studied really really hard you know it's a learned skill LSAT does not test your ability to be a lawyer yeah or a law student but it, but it does test your ability to take the LSAT so apparently that's one of my talents um, <laughs> yeah so uh, kind of had these great scores and decided at that point I cannot tell you what my thought process was oh I'll go back to the Midwest I have no idea why that seemed like such a great idea because okay. I really loved the West Coast. I really loved the Southwest, but applied to uh, schools in Chicago and Indiana and decided to come back to my hometown, Indianapolis, and go to the uh, IU McKinney School of Law in Indianapolis. Okay. So I started law school when I was 33 years old. Wow. Yeah. So were you in a room with, you know, like what was the, the demographic spread? I started out as a day student. Okay. So I was in a room with a bunch of people who were 10 years younger than me. Wow. Yeah. And um, I certainly had friends. There were older students there. McKinney has a little bit of an older student population or a, min a significant minority of older students. Um, but it was a little bit lonely being a, a day student in a room full of people 10 years younger. In their 20s, there's, yeah. There's yeah. a big difference between a 22-year-old and a 33-year-old. Right, yeah. right? I would imagine, yeah. yeah. And, um, and so that first year uh, was not, it wasn't a lot of fun. I don't know, anybody thinks first year law school is a lot of fun. Some people, a few people do, most people don't. Um, but I started taking some night classes and then I sort of just made myself a hybrid day and night student so I was working and earning some money um, and, um, and going to school both in the afternoons and at night. And um, the beginning of my second year of law school, I interviewed and got a clerkship and a summer associate position with one of Indianapolis's then big five law firms, uh, then known as Bingham, Summers, Welsh, and Spillman. I worked for them between my 2L and 3L year, got a permanent offer, and... Uh, yeah, and that's what I did for the next 10 years. I was in private practice. Very cool. How did you then decide you wanted to teach? Because it sounds like you liked being a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I did like being <laughs> a lawyer. So if I could just back up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to go to law school was, um, and I'm, I actually mean this in all seriousness, I, I wanted to change the world. I wanted to have an impact. Um, I was really inspired by two particular books. 
at the time that I applied the second time, when I was much more serious about going to law school, um, a book by Melissa Faye Green called Praying for Sheetrock, uh, which is a story about um, a poor community, a poor minority community in the South, and how uh, civil rights attorneys and community organizers helped that community to become empowered. And the other was uh, the autobiography of Morris Dees. Um, it's been published under two names, uh, but the one I read was A Season for Justice. Morris Dees is the founder of the Southern Poverty Law Center. And the Southern Poverty Law Center is uh, still a powerhouse in fighting hate, in uh, fighting hate groups like the Ku Klux Klan, White Aryan Nation, and others. Um, they've got a big job these days, unfortunately, with a dramatic rise in hate crimes over sure. the past three or four years, but really over the past 12, 13 years. Um, but his story about how he used the law to take down these groups is was so inspiring. So that's why I wanted to go to law school. And then uh, what I did was I became a corporate attorney. So um, I really had fun being a corporate attorney. I worked with fantastic partners. If anybody's taken ethics with me, they've heard me talk about my mentor, Robin Babbitt. I mean, this man is just uh, one of the most, the most impactful person in my life. He taught me how to be a good lawyer. He really showed me what it meant to be a good person. Mm. I mean, it's not that I was a terrible person, and then here comes Robin, and now I'm a good person, but he really helped me to be centered in my ethics. Um, and I had great clients. I represented the doctors who invented Gatorade for 10 years. Wow. Very cool. <laughs> and um, we're going to do a special event around the history of Gatorade. Hopefully here yes. later this semester. On the calendar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I represented the Indiana Horse Racing Commission and the executive director there, Joe Gorjak. Again, a person of great principle. Uh, such an honor to represent him. Um, and other clients. I had a lot of trial work because mm -hmm. I did medical malpractice defense. So I did a variety of things over those 10 years in private practice. But then... Um, in 2008, I was on the eve of my partnership vote. So I'd been with the firm for eight years, but if you count my summer associate uh, year, but I, um, I was on the eve of my partnership vote. And um, I so had partnership vote. So you start as um, you start as an associate. Okay. And then at about year seven, and it varies from firm to firm. Uh, you have a vote to welcome you into the partnership or not. Okay. <laughs> um, but I was very confident of my partnership vote. Again, if nothing else, I'm a hard worker. Yeah. But I had worked on significant files. I'd had some significant victories in the appellate courts and at trial. Um, so I was not concerned about uh, being voted into partnership, but I was thinking, is this what I want to do? Do I want to be a partner in a law firm? Is this how I want to spend the next 25 years of my career or more? Um, and during that time, I had an experience that changed my whole path. Okay. So um, in March of 2008, March 16th of 2008, I know this because there's a picture there's a picture of my epiphany on the was on the front page of the New York Times. Okay. So March 16th of 2008, I went to hear someone speak in the Plainfield High School gym on the west side of Indianapolis. 
this was the time of the 2008 primaries. Okay. Um, in uh, there was a, a young politician running for president in 2008 mm -hmm. that I had been paying a lot of attention to, and it was then Senator Obama. And I went to hear Senator Obama speak, and his, I, love him or hate him, you cannot deny that he has a powerful message mm. of the ability of an individual to be impactful within their community and the ability of people and communities to bring about significant change in the world. Sure. Um, and I was deeply moved as I listened to him speak uh, to the point where um, I was, I was tearful. And I went home that day and I thought, I really need to do something else with my life. Um, and I got out a legal pad. I have a drawer full, um, <laughs> a purse full, another stack over here, and a bunch in my living room floor. I mean, I'm addicted to them, but I pulled out a legal pad. I drew a line down the middle. And I started this process of trying to figure out what is this impactful thing I'm going to do with my life? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like one column was like pros of not being a lawyer anymore and cons of quitting the law. Because that's something that, I would do. <laughs> yeah, that's not the question. The question okay. wasn't should I be a lawyer or not be a lawyer. Um, the question was what do I want in my life and what don't I want in my life? And I worked on this. It, it didn't all happen one night. Um, I worked on this over a period of weeks, so fairly quickly. And on one side, I wrote things I want in my life. I wrote down travel. I had never traveled. Um, my family were not travelers. Um, you know, when we went on a vacation, we'd just rent a little cottage on a lake somewhere in Indiana. So, um, so I had never traveled, so I didn't even know what that meant. But I felt like I wanted that in my life. And in the column of things I didn't want in my life, was practicing law. And that was really painful because I was good at it. Mm, interesting. And it was the thing that I thought I would do. And as I continued to refine this list, uh, I wanted to work with young people um, because going back to this sort of unhappy time in my life, teachers, guidance counselors, that's who made the difference for me and kept me pointed forward. Yeah. And so I thought maybe I had something to offer back to young people of that age. Anyway, what I thought I was describing was becoming a teacher. Yeah. yeah. And so I, um, I went to my managing partner and said, I don't want to be considered for partnership. And he said, wow, Kelly, nobody's <laughs> ever done that. And, and I thought, well, good. Good for me. First for time. Me. Yeah. All right. Yay. Um, but I never thought I'm blowing up my life. I never thought that. I, I always thought I was doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, but I had a philosophy degree, and I wanted to teach, I thought, high school students. Um, and so I thought, well, I can't go teach high school students in public school philosophy or law. So I better go learn something so I can teach something. So I, I um, enrolled... I applied for the Master's in U.S. History program through Indiana University. So I got my Master's in U.S. History over the next four years, planning to be a high school history teacher, civics teacher. And in the meantime, I had lunch with a friend, um, John Larimore, who's now the head of Indiana Legal Services, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, here's my whole story. And he said, have you ever taught anything? And I said, no. <laughs> 
And he said, uh, then how do you know you like it? And I'm like, I don't know. I just think I will like it. And he said, how do you know you're good at it? And I said, I don't know. I just have a feeling I'm going to be good at it. And he shook his head and he said, well, I've been asked to teach a class at the law school uh-huh. and I don't have time. Should I give him your name? And I said, yes, great. You're like, this is perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. I'll go teach at the law school and then I'll, I'll know everything I need to know. Um, and so in 2010, I started teaching as an adjunct. Mm-hmm. in higher education. So I taught at the law school for the next five years. Um, I taught, ended up teaching at Butler University, sort of a similar thing. My friend Tracy Stevens said, I've been offered a class. I don't, I can't do it. You want me to give them your name? So by 2015, fall of, or spring of 2015, I was teaching eight credit hours as an adjunct and working full time. By now I had left private practice. I had gone in-house at IU Health. And then I was now at the ACLU, so I was continuing to practice law because I had to pay my mortgage, and I didn't have a full-time teaching job. Um, Yeah, so I taught as an adjunct for five years, and I was teaching what is almost a full load for a full-time faculty member while practicing law with the ACLU. So then the position at Kelly opened up. Yeah. And colleagues at Butler said, you should apply for that job. And so I applied for it. I can't tell you the hours I put into my application. A little bit different from your personal statement. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> hours and hours. Um, yeah, it was a lot better than my personal statement. <laughs> At least I learned my lesson. Um, I put hours into preparing for my interview. Wow. And when you come in here and you are interviewing for a non-tenure track position, which is what my role is, I'm a clinical associate professor, Um, you also do a mock teaching with the faculty that you may one day join as your students. Students. So I had to prepare that mock teaching. And I came in and I interviewed and I really felt like I had a good day. I wanted it even worse after the day of interviews than I'd wanted it before. And I'll tell you the truth, I cried. Every minute I wasn't working, I was sobbing because I was so anxious about getting the job. I was just a mess. I was a complete mess. Like I would cry all the way to work, then wipe my tears, work, and then get my car, cry all the way home. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Cry, cry at home, (laughs) cry while I was eating, go to sleep, stop crying. Get up, cry in the shower. Oh, my. Wow. Thank goodness they only made me wait two weeks. Yeah. Wow. Because that was a lot of crying. I was a little dehydrated. But I just, (laughs) I wanted it so badly. And um, I got the job uh, almost, almost um, seven years to the day that I heard President, Senator Obama speak. Wow. It was uh, March 16th, 2008 to March 13th, 2015. Wow. Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Yeah. But... You know, if you want to change things in your life, you can't always just say, oh, I want to change it today. Mm. Um, And especially in a career. I mean, I'm single, so I could take risks that were just my risks to take. But I wasn't willing to ruin myself financially, so I had to continue to practice law. I had to find ways to put this thing I wanted in my life in my life without foolishly throwing away the things that sustained me financially and and having financial stability gives you some level of happiness right um so it was a long transition um it didn't feel long though 
it felt like everything was flowing in the right direction. Yeah. Right? That's good. Um, yeah. So I've now been on the faculty. I'm at the end of my fifth year. Wow. wow. Oh, congratulations. congrats. Thank oh, you. Yes. Sorry, that was a long no, story. No, that was a very empowering story to hear. Yeah. Because <clears throat> as 19, 20-year-olds we are now, it's very scary to, like, foresee a future for ourselves and a path, especially going to a lot of these recruiting events and seeing yourself and, like, these companies working there you never know what's ahead of you so hearing this really helps understand that like whatever decisions decisions you are going to make they're not gonna really like it's up to you to make those decisions you have the power to really take those or not take those it's up to you yeah it's not you're not giving up something you're not giving into the company you're not giving your life away for that it's you are making that decision for them to be a part of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that we should all, including me, and this is my dream job. I mean, I don't have I have any thoughts that there's something else I want to do. Yeah. But uh, I check in with myself. Do I have the things in my life that I want in my life? Um, and are there things in my life I don't want in my life that I can get rid of? Now, you know, you can't get rid of everything you don't like, right? <laughs> like today, I was complaining to you when you walked into my office that I had to get up really early. Yeah. And um, how much I hate getting up before 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I can't get rid of that, right? Yeah. The dean schedules an 8 a.m. meeting. I'm going to be there and I'm going to take a shower first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always checking in with myself. So I had some New Year's resolutions this year to be more mindful about exercise, which you guys were talking about at the beginning. And I thought, I have willed myself from a law career to a teaching career. Surely I can go to the gym. <laughs> and I have been really successful. So it, a lot of it is just a matter of setting goals and then really saying, the reason I'm setting these goals is because they're going to move my life in the right way. Yeah. I think it's important. This almost translates directly to what you were saying you wanted to do more of, which is self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you had that moment when you were... You took out the legal pad and you wrote down what is it that you want, what is it that you value, and what is it that you don't want, and you want to pivot away from it. And that, to me, is the epitome of what self-reflection is. Right. How do you move forward unless you take time in the present to reevaluate your priorities and values constantly, which I think is so important. And I think it's interesting because before we started recording, we were talking about we wanted to ask you about your hobbies and kind of how you balance work and maybe your personal interests outside of it. And you were saying, you know, work is my hobby and if you want to talk a little bit more about that because I have a very different perspective but obviously I still respect yours so I'd love to hear a little bit about that yeah I don't know I I guess my if I have hobbies they're boring because it's like (laughs) reading and cooking that's a great hobby (laughs) yeah right but I mean I really love my job and I've been so fortunate at Kelly I've had two chairmen in my department in my five years Jamie Prankert and Arlen Langbart And I was really hired to teach the required ethics course and probably L201, the legal environment of business course, also required for Kelly students. And um, what has happened is that I redeveloped the sustainability law and policy class. And I now have two sections of that with 84 students. I was just talking about that class at the beginning of of the pod. Um, yeah. <laughs> She's picked up the lingo, yeah. oh, everyone. <laughs> I love podcasts. Um, I am launching a course on renewable energy sector law and policy in the fall. 
I launched a course two years ago in business and poverty alleviation. Yeah. Um, I took over the business and human rights in South Africa class. So I'm teaching one section of ethics, which I love, but everything else is something that I've developed. Very cool. And so um, at this point in my teaching life, it's, I have to be reading all the time because I'm learning, um, I'm learning in order to teach, um, I'm learning in order to stay on top of things um, and to really expand what I can take into the classroom. And so, you know, it's my work, but it doesn't feel like work, right? So, th- so that's my hobby. Yeah, that's everyone's. Now in the summer, though, let me tell you, yeah. I will be reading a lot of novels. <laughs> like I, what genre? Yeah, I am a fiction reader. Yeah. Um, and I actually love spy novels. Love spy novels. novels. Spy novels, yeah. Can you so. yeah, yeah, wait, that's so quirky. Okay. Kelly, come on. It's not All right. I guess I have a hobby. Yeah. Um, last year, I, I got down to, like, you know how hard it is to read during the semester. Sure. So uh, 2018, I read 14 books the whole year. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Mm. I was ashamed of myself because okay. I keep a list. That still so, seems pretty good. Yeah, but yeah. I did the Goodreads challenge. Okay. Uh, and I said, I'm going to read 52 books in 2019. Okay. Now, I only made it to 38. Okay. But it was such a better, healthier year for me. Sure. Because, and I read a lot of nonfiction, but I also read a lot of fiction. So there's a hobby for yeah. you. But yeah, I just, I like to work. I also am working out with a trainer once a week. I'm working out with my Pilates reformer instructor once a week. Very fun. Wow. I have a new spinner, spin bike at home. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, so I do that. Good. Oh, you know, great. that reminded me because you were saying how you're learning and you're reading to help almost translate into your work on teaching what you're learning and yep. delivering in a way that, you know, students can grasp on. And then I was thinking, like, okay, what is, like, something that I love to do? And I this is kind of a tangent, but I love to meet new people, right? right? So then I think about all of the different things I do. I just took an acrobatics class where I knew no one. I go rock climbing where I'm always meeting new people. Um, You know, I'm doing all these things like recording the pod where I'm meeting new people. I mean, obviously I already know you, you know what I mean. But literally I am choosing to have such a diverse array of activities happening, maybe in addition to my academics. Literally so I can meet new people and develop those relationships. Right. And I think that's kind of what's fueling me to live my life in a in a different way. Right. But I love that. And mm-hmm. I think that's literally what it reminded me of, mm-hmm. of what I do for my own life. Yeah. Um, what about you? For me, wow. I mean, back to the self-reflection thing, I think what really inspired me was that you worked on that every single day for weeks And even with the application, when you applied here to work for Kelly and for the interviews, you waited every single day for those two weeks. I mean, I feel like that crying was also like a part of your self-reflection at hand. Like, um, so I think for me, um, I would just say right now, my focus is to just be calm, to just meditate. That helps me figure everything out. Mm -hmm. My head is more clear throughout the day I'm more peaceful I react to my surroundings much calmly I don't react as much it's not as reactive to the stressors to everything that is happening because we are living in a very fast-paced world now with technology so Mm. it's easy to let things just overwhelm you and overcome you so meditating helps me take control of my life and helps me notice little details like I know that yesterday I meditated. I did an assignment for my global health and environments class and I noticed something in the reading that 
related back to me doing theater in high school and I looked something up I talked to like my teacher from high school and I was like wow if I really just did not meditate I wouldn't have taken the time to enjoy the reading wouldn't have picked up those little wordings and wouldn't have made this whole new thing out of it so for me it's just self-reflecting every single day until it just becomes a practice it just becomes like drinking water and like sleeping at night you're doing all that critical thinking yeah. right when you're making all those different connections and I think that's a really good lesson that we can't do good critical thinking that helps us pull all those threads together in such interesting ways if we're tired if we're stressed if we're trying to do 10 things at once um, this is probably the longest I've had my laptop closed and my phone not in front of me <laughs> you know, in, yeah. in a week because it's really hard to set a time aside that time. So I'm, I'm really excited for you. And again, I'll just say, your dad, what a great gift to give you, to yeah. say to you, yeah. take time for yourself, yeah. make yourself healthy. That's yeah. great advice. Yeah. I mean, not to go off on a tangent, but I know my dad had a period in his time just recently where he was just very lost with his work. Um, I feel like he's very opposite with your life where mm -hmm. he, he works to be able to spend time with his family right. um kind of like with our culture even him growing up in india work was not seen as like a hobby or a passion but it's just a way to um kind of like support your family right it's a duty to your society um and it's just a way to it's just contributes to a purpose in your life um so when he came here and he saw everyone just like enjoying their work he works in hr and it so everyone around him is enjoying what they're doing so he was really lost but he took time he's now a preceptor for meditation for heartfulness meditation so he gives sittings to people that's how he finds his joy and now he integrated that into working at abbott very cool so he gives sittings there wow i see an upcoming pod <laughs> with dad. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Very cool. yeah so and I think recently he, do you guys know the keto diet? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's doing keto as a vegetarian. Oh my. Yeah. That's a challenge. It is. Yeah. He's, he pulls out an avocado and eats it with a spoon. Um, but it's working for him. He lost 10 pounds since January. Oh, good like, for him. Yeah. Yeah. So I see the progress he's making. And the first thing he's doing for that is meditating, working out, and diet. Um, sleep also he was telling me he was like I'm surprised you didn't put your sleep schedule on your Google calendar I was like I can't do that with my midterms coming up but I'll try my best to sleep around 11 12 um, but yeah I feel like that seeing him do that having like a mentor seeing like a mentor in my dad has really helped me achieve what I want to do yeah similar to how you said you wanted you looked at teachers and like older people in your life you looked up to them that's who my dad is for me and that's who um a lot of people have been for me in high school my theater teacher and director also inspired me in a way like that so finding mentors also is a way to self-reflect better yeah absolutely absolutely i think um as we start to wrap up the value of 
having a mentor, having other people you learn from and cultivating those relationships are so important. Um, and then for me, cultivating my relationship with myself is mm-hmm. the most important. Um, and I heard this other day, like learning to be your own best friend first yes. is so, so, so crucial to long-term happiness or long-term fulfillment, I think. Um, so I guess what advice would you want to leave with anyone listening to the pod um, moving forward or anything that you think is important for people to know? Um, I would say that you need to plan and not react to your life. And that planning doesn't have to be, okay, I'm going to work here for two years and then I'm going to get married at X day. It's planning is this process of self-reflection. If you're engaged in self-reflection, whether you know it or not, you're engaged in some sort of planning. You're planning to move your life in a positive direction and that should never stop. Um, Forgive yourself if you make a choice and it doesn't work out the way you thought it should. I made some different moves over those seven years of transition where I thought carefully about um, a job change I was going to make. Uh, I made it for all the right reasons. I conferred with people I trusted. And then once I made the change, I thought, oh no, this wasn't the right move for me. But I had to forgive myself for landing or not accuse myself of having made a bad decision, right? I made a good decision. It just didn't turn out the way I wanted. So, you know, sometimes you'll make, uh, you'll land someplace you don't intend to be, but that's okay. You just got to pull out the legal pad and draw a new line down the middle and start yeah. over. <laughs> you have to be okay with failing. Mm. Um, yes, and, you know, absolutely. we could, that's a whole nother hour yeah. that we could talk about Failure failing. Failure tolerance, absolutely. But you have to be okay with failing. Uh, I've, failed more than I've succeeded and you know if you live long enough which I hope you do if you make a resume of all the things you didn't get that you wanted it's going to be longer yeah than the successes in your life and that's okay you learn a lot from those and never never say I'm too old mm. or it's yeah. too late yeah or Absolutely. and the, the worst I can't because you can so that's my advice oh, I really felt that yeah. no I did yeah well, I mean, to wrap this up, I think we should just sit with these thoughts. Self-reflect. <laughs> yes. I was like, I'm going right. to go meditate after <laughs> this. Right. I need to take Kelly's words. Legal pads for them. everyone. Legal yeah. pads for everyone. Yes. yes. <laughs> I have yet to see what a legal pad looks like. Ah, well, yeah. I have a whole drawer full, but I think oh it'll God. be... This is a legal pad. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know it was called a legal pad. Yes. But yeah. Well, you, but you're allowed to use them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's okay. A f- there's a few. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, right. Kelly, thank, thank you, you so thank much. Thank you. This was yeah. fun coming on the pod. Yeah. We really appreciate it, yeah. and we hope everyone else who's listening has a great rest of their day. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for Bye. listening to us. And Bye. Have a great rest of your week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>